Hello, hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of my podcast, Forbidden Bliss with Bianca Monet. And of course, I am Bianca Monet. I hope you guys have all been doing well. I hope you guys have all still been staying safe as we all are still navigating in a, uh, a global pandemic. Even though it doesn't feel like, you know, we're still in a pandemic with the world and everything opening back up, we still are. People are still, you know, getting sick by the day and are still dying by the day. So I just hope and pray that you guys are all still taking the necessary precautions, um, not only to keep yourself safe, but to keep your loved ones and everyone else safe as well. This is actually my first podcast episode of 2021, and I'm so excited to be back recording um, I'm so excited, especially for this particular episode, because I have such a great guest and a great friend on this um, on the line with me today. Her name is Aisha Gibson, and she is someone who I had the honor and privilege of going to school with um, back in undergrad at the Grambling State University. Yes, sir. Shout out the G. And, um, you know, she's just an amazing person. She's so smart, so sweet. She's so funny. Um, always kept me laughing when I was on campus. And she is now living in New York and furthering her education at Columbia University in New York City. And yeah, Aisha, if you can hear me, feel free to formally introduce yourself to the audience and also feel free to let them know where they can find you as far as Instagram, Twitter, things of that nature. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you. I think you've done a wonderful job as far as in the introduction. Um, as she said, well, as you guys know, my name is Aisha Gibson. I'm, um, I'm from San Diego, California, and um, I was out there my whole life. And then I decided towards like, you know, not the last minute, I guess you could say in my late 20s, <laughs> I, uh, you know, transferred to Gramlich State University in, in Louisiana. And now I am in New York. I currently reside in the Bronx. Um, but you can, you know, follow me on Instagram at Aisha No Curry. So it's A-Y-E-I-S-H-A No Curry. C-U-R-R-Y. Or um, you can follow me via LinkedIn at Gibson. So again, it's A Y. E-I-S-H-A, last name Gibson, G-I-P as in Paul, S-O-N. Or if you want to, you know, personally write me or whatever, you can email me at Aisha G. So it's my first name, the letter G as in giraffe, at AOL.com. Yes, I love it. I love it. West Coast girl taking on the East Coast now. I'm oh, here Lord. for it. <laughs> Cali girl in Harlem world. And what's so crazy, I was out of the Bronx, but like every single day I'm always in Harlem. Like it's like I, I was better off moving to Harlem, but nah. Uptown, but I'm always in Harlem. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Well, we're definitely going to get into how you're navigating New York City now, but I definitely want to talk about um, your early childhood and what was life like, you know, before we met at Gramlin. So like you said, you are a San Diego native. Um, mm -hmm. What was it like growing up? What was your family dynamic like? Um, you know, just tell me a little bit about your own personal, you know, background. Okay. So um, how, how should I do this? Okay. So I am from San Diego and 
if you know anything about San Diego, um, as far as in the African American community, um, currently, I believe it's only 3% African American or those that identify with being, um, you know, black, semi-American or those that come from the African diaspora, those that identify with that. It's about 3% now. Mm-hmm. Growing up in the 90s, um, it was like uh, maybe 11%, which isn't, I mean, it's not, it's uh, percentage is a little bit, you know, bigger, but it's still not um, a, a metropolitan city, a black metropolitan city like Atlanta, somewhere in Dallas, Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, the percentage is still small compared to those major cities. Um, but growing up in the 90s in San Diego, I grew up in the community called City Heights. And those who are familiar, that's the area code 92115. And so mid-city, City Heights area. And um, life was good. I mean, considering daddy bush left and so we um not we yeah my family definitely but the people voted for bill clinton to be president so i think he was inaugurated back in 93 i want to say was it 93 or 94 92 it was around that time but anyway nonetheless clinton was president and and life was good i mean um i i can't speak for everybody but for most of us um you know considering that most of us were Section 8 babies, welfare babies, or whatever you want to call it, life mm-hmm. was good. I remember growing up, I lived across the street from the park called Kalina Park. So I grew up on 5252 Orange Avenue. And so it was majority of that street, all the apartment complexes um, were Section 8. And I know you're looking like, well, it, it, it's different in every region. Cause like, right. you know, Section 8 homes are different in California than the Section 8 homes or apartments in the South and on the East mm-hmm. Coast is different. So nonetheless, we were quite, um, I guess you could say spoiled. I had a pool. Our, our apartment complex had a pool. We had a jacuzzi and we had a sauna. And then across the street was the park. And when the park had a, um, a golf course. And in fact, Tiger Woods developed, um, he helped develop that, uh, that, that golf course so that inner city kids, basically black kids and brown kids could learn how to play golf. And I actually witnessed them develop that golf course. Um, It was built, but they started to expand it more in the late 90s. So like around 97, 98, 99, he expanded it. And actually I played golf there and I'm a great golf player, by the way. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. I can play golf. Definitely. Definitely. And so half the girl, well, in our community, girls played, uh, they were cheerleaders. They played tennis. Some of us played golf. We were spoiled, <laughs> contrary, even though, yeah. we were, you know, our parents were, you know, using the system. I mean, you know, this is during Clinton. So there were programs where kids can learn how to swim, learn how to play tennis, um, you know, because of certain programs, because there was funding, mm-hmm. you know, um, including the free lunch program at the park. And so people think about free lunch, you automatically think about the school district, but no, like this was at the park during the summertime, mm-hmm. we would get the lunch and then at a certain time we would get a snack and I could still taste those berry juices. Those <laughs> lunches were phenomenal. There were no such thing as food allergies. We could eat peanuts and wheat bread and all that, you know, okay. kids today can't, you know, they, yeah, but their allergies today is a little bit different, but back in the day, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as you know, huge, but nonetheless, we would go to the park and play. We would go to the rec dances on the um, on Friday. We would go to the movies. I mean, it was just normal. 
but you know certain things it was it was kind of messed up too because I came from a single parent household my mother she had me when she was older so as I was getting older my mother was getting older she, it, you know her health started to decline slowly but surely and you know my father um not he lived not far from us uh no more than a 10 minute drive mm-hmm. um no five uh five minute walk two minute drive it wasn't that far um and you know he was kind of in and out kind of in and out of my life double dutching sometimes he'll be there sometimes he wouldn't mm-hmm. and you know was issues going on with the family on both sides of the family but um but yeah so it was it, I had a good but in certain stuff, it was it was kind of messed up, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, growing up in City Heights again, like I said, um, gangs were definitely heavy. Um, yeah, gang culture, mm-hmm. drugs, uh, police brutality, um, that that existed as well. So, what kind of kid were you were as far as like when I say kid, I mean adolescent going into teenage years. So, you know, you grew up with a single mom. Oh man, I was. Um, you grew up privileged. I, I was the baby. I was. I, you could say I was privileged, but I mean, considering the circumstances, you know, my mother was like a hustler. So, although she you know she worked, um, actually she worked at San Diego State, you know, making you know bringing in money. She was no longer able to afford, you know, Section 8, so she had to just pay her regular rent, stuff like that, but she was still able to take care of me and my sister. And then my brother was grown, but she would still, you know, look out for my brother and then take care of her grandkids, my brother's children, like, you know. But um, being the baby, I was the baby. I, I was bad. I don't want to like be braggadocious, like, oh yeah, I was this type of no, it was really bad. I mean, it was sometimes mm-hmm. the police would get called to the house because I would wild out, mm-hmm. straight up wild out. And they tried, um, you know, um, the schools would try to suggest tell my mother, oh, you put her on medication. My mom was like, nah, just she has to go through what she has to go through, let it, let her, let her ride out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so bad. My mother <laughs> she called Maury Povich on me a few times, so I could go on no, the show to the yes, yeah, she did, because I was that. <laughs> I was off the chain, but when she would talk to the operators on Maury, they would be like, okay, well, does she do this? Does she do that? My mom said, nah, not really. Yeah. They were just like, okay, well, she ain't that bad. Like, she bad, just whoop her ass. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> but she wasn't bad to the point where, you know. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I was, I was off the chain. Yeah. It, it was, it was complex. I can't describe it. I've always did my work. I would love going to school, but I was a class clown. Right. I would make people laugh, but I would get my work done. So it was like, you know, I, I don't know what you would call that. Right. Well, I mean. Complex. Cause I, you know, I was, I was good. Right. You know, of course I did my chores. I know how to, I knew how to do laundry. I mean, in fact, my mother would give me money, say, gay, go to the, uh, uh, cash uh the check cashing store get a money order for the rent i knew how to do that at the age of seven mm-hmm. i was a latchkey kid my mother would give me a key i would watch myself at the age of seven years old right i knew how to cook i knew how to do my laundry i knew how to do uh you know um clean the house and not just me all the kids we knew how to do that right because that's just you know? what the culture that's was. just what yeah. it was that's just what it was it was oh, it was yeah. nothing I was I was off the chain. I would, you know, go to the park and 
do inappropriate, <laughs> get into inappropriate activities. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if it was bad, I would get my big brother or get my sister, get my nieces and nephews. And we would, we would, you know, get into a few tumble, uh, you know, fisticuffs, as you would call it. Yeah. But but that's just what it was, you know. But I, I will admit, I, I was, it was bad. I mean, yeah. I was good, but I was bad too. I yeah. was off the chain. And I knew I could get away with it because my mother was older. Right. That's what I was and that's what I was also gonna go to too. Um, you're the youngest child, but you have to grow up quick. Very so, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. No, no such thing. My mother never um, oh Aisha, come on, let's let's do ABC one, two, three. No, my mom was like, nah, like she did not coddle me. If I didn't know a word, my mom said, Go on that Webster's dictionary, uh, look at the you know, look get at the source, uh, research it. If I said, Mom, I want a pizza, she said, okay, well, I'm going to give you the money, but go on the Yellow Pages, call up Pizza Hut, but you got to figure out the, because, you know, back in the day during the Yellow Pages, if there was a Pizza Hut or a Domino's, Papa John's or whatever, sure, it was a long listing, but you had to figure out which, you know, the area. Mm-hmm. There was no such thing as Google phones or Google, uh, none of that. I mean, we had a computer, we would have Jeeves, and Yahoo was still booming, but yeah. Google wasn't as big in the 90s so i had to figure out okay what uh pizza hut is kind of closer to me so they could deliver and then i have to figure out which one delivered because not all of them deliver mm-hmm. you know in certain communities you know and i learned how to do that and she taught me how to be um handle my business be punctual be on time be self-reliant you can't rely on nobody and um i appreciated that now that i'm older but at the time, it was like, oh, I wish I was still like, kind of like, be a, let me be a kid. You're supposed to do that. But right. I, you know, and, and I think, you know, she was kind of like, I don't know, she probably felt, I mean, she may not be there um, yeah. like that. So let me teach her now before it's kind of too late. Mm-hmm. If something were to happen to me while she was still young. Right. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of older parents, um, they miss out or sometimes kind of miss the ball. Not intentionally, but it's just because they don't know any better on how to nurture. They yeah. teach survival. They teach you, you know what I mean? They teach you how to navigate in the world as far as doing things go. But when it comes to the emotional, the psychological, the mental, they may miss that mark on how mm-hmm. to do it for their kids because they didn't necessarily have somebody to be there for them in that way as well. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my excuse me, my grandfather, she was only, ooh, my mother, I think she told me she was like uh, nine years old when her father died. Mm-hmm. And then like her mother, like then that came from an era where you do not show emotions. You don't show, um, you know, embrace the children or have conversations with them and things like that sort of was kind of like, you know, I put a roof over your head type of thing and that's love. You know, I'm not going to hug you. Mm-hmm. And contrary to popular belief, my mother started hugging me towards the end yeah but growing up she didn't hug me she didn't hug my sister like that I mean she's every now and then she may say I love you you know but but it'll be like random but you know yeah um, and that was that she didn't do that mm-hmm. because she came from an era where um I mean showing affection depending on who you were raised by um, they didn't show affection like that her way of showing love was saying I put a roof over your head mm-hmm. I put clothes on your back I'm showing you this and that. That's love. Right. So I guess you would call that tough love. Because she was tough too. Definitely tough. But, you know, I get it. But it was kind of like, dang. <laughs> I wish I could, you know, I had to grow up quick. 
right in certain aspects mm-hmm. yeah no you're right and for a lot of um you know black and brown communities love is shown through providing you right know, roof over your head physical physical providing financial providing but when it comes like i said to the mental the emotional the psychological a lot of times we miss that mark because i mean to be fair a lot of times our parents weren't shown that so no. they can only show you what they they can only do so much you know what right. i mean only show right. you so much love and only meet you where you know where they are so i definitely get that right, so, right. Um, fast right. forward said you know you kind of had a bad teenage years you were going through your rebel stage but what oh man i like <laughs> going towards you know say a senior in high school like what were you Ooh. what was your thought process then were we thinking of college were we thinking of boys? No, I mean, you have to understand I was born, I mean, it's no secret, I was born in 1990, mm-hmm. so I graduated high school in 2008. Now, this mm-hmm. is during the recession, and if you remember the recession, homes were getting foreclosed on, businesses were closing down, um, economic, I mean, they were never, these businesses were never coming back, that was, it was mm-hmm. it, and uh, I mean, most of my peers, especially in uh, this time, we had moved to Southeast San Diego. And I mean, most of us, uh, <laughs> yeah, I went to Lincoln High School. I could say my class, 2008, only ooh, maybe four went to college. Four went to college. Okay, let me stop lying. Ten went to college out of the ten. Some went to community colleges. Some went straight to college, like to a four-year university. Mm-hmm. The rest of us, um, tried to find work, but we were hustlers. There was no, there were no jobs to work, so we had to make money the best way we knew how. Um, I hate to say, some of us were strippers, some of us were uh, prostitutes or escorts, some of us uh, dealt dealt drugs. Right. Um, and in fact, some of my peers now they're still in they're still in jail. Um, they're not getting out. Some of them life without parole. Some of them are dead. Mm. Um, you know, but that's just what it was. So me, hell no. My mindset was I'm gonna get this money the best way I know how. And um, I worked. Re- I, I was I was doing a little dibbling dabbling. Um, I won't you know go into detail exactly what I was doing, but it yeah, wasn't, you don't have to. It wasn't legal, right? And um, and that's just what it was. Mm-hmm. It was le- it was illegal. You know, and we just, that's how we had to make our money. But at the same time, I was, you would call it renegade. I wasn't official mm-hmm. like that only because I was working at West Seal, you know, working at, you know, little places I could get a little job. And I was like, okay, well, on my off days, I'm going to go ahead and go to this place and, you know, do some, do some like. Hey guys. So I always knew I wanted to start a podcast. Um, however, I had no idea really where to start how to create one, anything of that nature. So I tried to self-teach myself through listening to others' podcasts. And by listening to other people's podcasts, I learned about Anchor app. If you haven't heard about Anchor app, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you truly need in one place to make a podcast. 
Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. But including myself, um, the best way we knew how to make money was, like I said, some of us were stripping or some of us were doing renegade work. And that's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them were doing hair, but it still wasn't enough. I mean, this is during recession. Right. Rent is increasing. You know, we live at home with our mamas. Some of our mamas lost their jobs. So we was just trying to make a quick dollar any way we could. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it was. I wasn't, I'm not the only one who was doing it. A lot of us were doing it. Right. And so how long would you say, you said you graduated in 2008. That was around the time the recession hit. Mm-hmm. How long were you, you know, hustling, working at? What's it like? How long was that? Process? Oh, man. Look, I left. Look, I was like, I, I can't be doing this little hustling on the side. It's a little bit too much or whatever. I can't, you know, I'm not I'm not built for it. Right. Because <laughs> it, 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 it gets dangerous, you know. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I was just like, OK, so after I left that, I um, just worked. I worked retail because that was the only job I could I could get. So I was working for. Are you familiar with Kroger? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with um in California, the West Coast, Kroger, that's the big chain. And then under Kroger, you have Food for Less, Ralph's. So I worked at Food for Less and I worked at Ralph's. Mm-hmm. I worked everywhere. I worked at Macy's, anywhere that you could think of. I even worked at Hot Dog on the Stick for a day and they fired me. Yeah. <laughs> they did, girl. Heck yeah. I got a story behind that. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I just worked, you know, retail, pretty much retail. And so another hustle, what I would do was, okay, I'm going to work this little part-time retail job and I'm going to just get with the guy in the military and he go basically pay for not my bills. He go pay for my mama's bills. And that, and that's just what it's going to be. And most of us would do it, especially mm-hmm. start out of high school. Some of the girls will end up getting with the guy in the military and get married and they get money for that. Mm-hmm. And that was a hustle. Right. And in fact, some girls still do that to this day. And oh, how I know? Because that's just what it is, you yeah. know. But me specifically, I would, I would do that. So mm-hmm. I would get with guys in the military, you know, not like every guy, but you know that would be my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. He'll give me money, take care of me, you know, pay for little frivolous expenses. He'll give my mama money on the side for rent, and that's just what it was. Yeah, and it's and- actually crazy that you say that because you know both my parents ex military, so growing up, I always was like, my mom would always be like you know, stay away from these military guys. Like, you know, it's cool yeah. stuff if you yeah. really love them and you fall in love, but trust me, all, they want to get married quick. They want to settle down. That's right. Quick. They want to have baby because, you know, right. that's your money. Oh, coming. yeah. Yeah. I so. mean, girl, mm-hmm. they would get the baby and, and what they would do, not only will they marry them, they'll have babies right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because they get more money. Yep. They get more money. And that was the hustle. It's still the hustle. I hate to say it, but it's still the hustle. Not just in from Southeast San Diego. Girls do that from LA. They do that in Guam and the Philippines. The Mm -hmm. Filipino women, the Guamanian women, they give the men and uh, get married. They get the babies and all that. That's just what it is. Yes, people marry for love. Sure, people marry to you know. Yeah, but you want to marry for money, and you marry money. You know, you want to be comfortable and stable. So I got that too. But. The hustle, you already know what the hustle is. So that's just what it was. And I would do that. Ooh. So you could say 2009. Well, so this is the thing. I started community college because my mother was like, you need to do something with yourself. You you know, you're too smart. And I don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, I'll, I only went to school 
to shut her up. So when I went mm-hmm. to school, I'll never be the college advisor. I wanted to be a radio broadcaster. I love radio. I love music. It's what I want to do. I want to be like Wendy Williams. I want to be like Angela Yee because she was on series radio at the time. I want to be mm-hmm. like Miss Jones. You know, Miss Jones was real hot during the, uh, she was on, she was on Power 105 way back in the day. Yeah. But anyway, I want to do radio. And so the, uh, my college counselor told me that it was not realistic for a black woman to be on, to be on radio. That just wasn't realistic because black, um, into not entertainers, but black, you know, radio hosts or whatever, that just wasn't a theme. Hmm. And me being a dark skinned black woman, it was just like, nah, like, nah, that's not real. Like you need to find something else. And was this a kinda, black woman telling you this or was this a no, no, woman? no, a Mexican. Okay. He hmm. told me that, and I just, not, not so much of the dark skin, but just, you know, race relations <laughs> in Southern California between the black and brown is very, very complex. Mm-hmm. Black and brown is, you know, in New York, the black Puerto Ricans is different. There right. is some unity, but in Southern California, specifically in San Diego, depending, not, no, ain't no unity. Everybody, every no. man for himself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he told me that more or less in the darky world, the worse they treat you or the worse that people treat you, mm-hmm. period, wherever you go in life. And right. so, yeah, and um, that just discouraged me. And I just said, well, forget it. I'm going to just go to school to get a check anyway. And that's what I would do okay. until I can find me a guy, you know, basically to my mindset. This is my mindset at the time, the trick on me, then fine. And I, that's what I would do. So I would get two checks. So I would get a check from him and then mm-hmm. not a a trick like a trick but a yeah, military man you yeah. a military man you, you know spend his little you know check on me cool and that's just what that's what I did I did that from 2009 and um I was engaged twice <laughs> and yeah. then yep engaged twice and okay but- this is what I didn't like I said I I knew you in undergrad as far as some of your personal life but reading up on this part this was, I had no idea. I was like, oh, Aisha been married. She didn't got engaged a couple times. Oh, no, no. I was never married. Girl. Let's be clear. I never oh, got married. I never jumped the boom. I was one. engaged twice. Uh-huh. But the last relationship, I was, we weren't even engaged. My last one, um, I, I met him when I was turning 23. And within short months, he was like, uh, I want you moving me to go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I was in 2013, short yet. And I, I moved. I said, I didn't want no responsibility. I didn't have to do anything, but basically just be his girlfriend. What? Mm-hmm. And he gave me the allowance. What? And then I was doing hair on the side. So, you know, and I made a little, you know, I made money too, definitely. But, you know, I was, I was spoiled, but, you know, there was always a, a cost to it. Yeah. You know, definitely a cost to that. And I did that from 23, um, a week before my birthday. Um, I was turning 25 and I left. So I was out there for what, two years? Mm-hmm. I was out there for two years. And uh, yeah, so we could talk so about looking that. Back, I'm going back a little bit before you got, before you moved with him to Hawaii, looking mm-hmm. back now at, you know, your age now, did you love him? Hell, mm, I love what he did for me. Yeah. I love the idea of being, you know, a stay at home girlfriend and being spoiled and stuff. But did I love him? No, because I didn't even have love for myself yeah. or know what knew what love could be right. you know mm-hmm. i didn't know what love was like that yeah so no i, I didn't love him at the okay. time i loved what he did for me but no i didn't love him like in the back of your mind you kind of knew 
like this isn't going to last forever like that that was that well, no my, I was, was, I was na- naive I was very naive I thought that he was going to marry me mm-hmm. but I remember he had a conversation with my mother and she was like alright cool you want her to live with you alright y'all grown do you but are you going to marry her and he told he told my mom nah hmm. and my mom was like Aisha do not move because this man is mm-hmm. not going to marry you and what he does to you I, whatever happens I can't protect you or nobody can't help you because first of all California like that's mm-hmm. across the Pacific Ocean. Can't nobody get to you. First of all, can't nobody have the money to mm-hmm. get to you, yet alone get to you and do X, Y, Z to him. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't listen to her because I said, oh, I'm grown. I'm going to do what I want. She said, okay, you grown. Go and um, that mm-hmm. was it. And I left. Yeah. But and in my I- mind, I was naive to the point, oh, well, he's saying that now, but if I, you know, do the wifely duties, you know, with the cooking and the cleaning and the sucking and the fucking, mm-hmm. you know, that was my mindset. Then of course he'll marry me. Why not? Right, girl. No, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Nope. So mm-hmm. you moved to Hawaii, and about Hawaii. how soon after did you move to Hawaii? Did you realize that you that this wasn't gonna be it? Like you kind of made a mistake. Uh, when we got into a fight. He put his hands on me. This was uh two weeks before Christmas. I want to say it was like around December fifteenth. Mm-hmm. 2013 around that time because I remember yeah actually because it was military payday weekend because the military get paid the first the 15th and like the 31st mm-hmm. so it was around the 15th that time um he body slammed me to the ground and I fought back I was trying to fight back but it my size compared to him yeah. I can't win against him he was bigger than me and taller than me and stronger than me mm-hmm. and um he put his hand he put his hands on me and the neighbors heard it, and they caught the police. And the police came, and so before he could open the door, he looked at the people, and it was the police. And he said, don't say nothing, because if you say something, um, I'm going to lose my ranking. And, you know, that means that, you know, um, I get knocked down in rank, and I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to get in trouble, and then you have to go back home. I know you don't want to go back home. Yeah. You know, I'm giving you this lifestyle, so, you know, just tell them that you're good, and, you know, we're we going to make it work out. Like, I'm going to work, I'm, you know, I'm going to put my hands up, you know, I never forget. He opened the door, and I told them. I said, "Oh no, it's okay. We were just arguing, you know." He was like, "Are you sure, ma'am?" They looked at me like, "Are you sure?" Mm-hmm. And I'm looking like, "Yeah, I'm sure," but they knew I was lying. Yeah. But what can they do? And so they right. said, "Well, okay. Well, you know, if you guys are arguing, just you know, just keep it down. Your neighbors were concerned, and uh, that was the beginning. Wow. And it was like that, like that. And I had to keep my mouth shut. Couldn't tell my family. Couldn't tell my friends I made out there." One friend suspected, one friend suspected, but she, what can she do? Right. You know? Yeah. But one friend suspected. Don't say anything. What can, you know, what can people do? Yeah. But it was like that for uh, two years. I mean, mm-hmm. um, bruises, but not even the physical, the verbal mm-hmm. and the emotional because he was the breadwinner. So and that's what I was going to ask. Oh, what man. Did, yeah. Did the physical, like the, did all the abuse start coming? just like out of nowhere was it like a daily thing or was it like you guys were getting argument it would be something stupid so say if I cooked I don't know think of a dish I don't know like lasagna and I forgot to put like spinach in it or something just small mm-hmm. or if a dish a fork was in the sink if it would it could be something real small and that would um his excuse was okay I'm a drink you know he would drink mm-hmm. come home from work he'll drink and it could be something so small that would trigger him, and that's all he needed. Yeah. 
that's all he needed Mm -hmm. and so when this was happening of course you well maybe not of course you you know you stay you love him you love what he's doing for you providing yeah absolutely Um, do you are you thinking at this point or eventually an escape plan are you thinking no i'm gonna just write it out my my mindset i'm just write it out because at this time 23 24 and damn near going on 25 i did not have a college education Mm -hmm. i only had a high school diploma and you know i mean during this time you needed a bachelor's to get a good job you know now you need a you need a certification Mm -hmm. but at least during that time you even an associate and associates, you can you can get a job at the city or the county. You can get something, mm-hmm. and I didn't have that. The only the only skill I had was with my hands, and I knew how to do hair, but I I didn't want to go to school. I didn't even want to go to cosmetology school because I just my confidence at the time. I didn't have the confidence in myself to even do it, to even you know just do it for me. It for was him. just I was just so comfortable mm-hmm. and made um, timid. I was timid. And, you know, because I'm like, okay, who's going to pay for that? Mm-hmm. You know, although I lived in the city, I lived in Iaea, which is about, Iaea is in, uh, next to Pearl Harbor. It's uh, next to Pearl City. And it's about mm, maybe 20, 30 minutes from Honolulu. Uh-huh. I'm saying my limbo about, not even 30 minutes, like maybe 20 minutes. But nonetheless, I lived, I lived in Hawaii. So, of course, maybe if I would have, enrolled myself at a community college it would have been cheaper because I was already a resident I was getting mm-hmm. mailed there and stuff but I wasn't I didn't have the confidence or the sense enough to do that I just wanted something easy but um even if that meant getting my ass whooped getting verbally abused and stuff like that and that's mm-hmm. just what it was going to be and was he a type of boyfriend did he would he have cared if you would have went to JUCO or did anything like that or was he more um, so wanted no, to get- I mean you you you, you, you I don't think he would have mind because yeah. when he met me, I told I was still going to community college even right. at that point. And stuff, you know, but I was only taking one class. Like mm-hmm. he was already taking care of me. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna just slowly but surely, like yes, I'm going to school, but I'm only taking one class at a time, yeah. which is nothing. But, but no, see, it's yeah, different I he, when you're in Hawaii and you're by yourself with him. He kind of has you isolated. Right. So I was like, right. I don't more so in no, the house he didn't, all the he time. didn't mind. So even if I'm like, oh, because um, I would apply for jobs, I'm like, oh, I apply here. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Now was just his response. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. So I would when... I would say that about him. Like he didn't mind. So even if even if I, the thought of me going working or going to school, no, he at that I re, no he he didn't care. Okay. He didn't care less because he was still going to make the money. Right. And exactly. that's just what he was the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. As long as the checks keep rolling in, he don't care what you. Yeah, do. he don't care. But yeah. he controlled. But see, the thing was, um, I didn't have a. I had my, I had my bank. I was at that time I was banking with Wells Fargo. And if you know, Wells Fargo is not in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So what I would have to do is every time I would have to make, um, I would make money. I would have to give it to him. You know, I, so, so basically in other words, I would have to, the money I would make, I would have to give it to him mm-hmm. in order to put it in his account. And then from his account, like he would transfer it to my account. Like it was just too much. It was a lot mm-hmm. going on. So basically, he knew how much I was making, and he would mm-hmm. he would kind of control that. Yeah. Wow. So when I would ask for him, because you know I never like I kept cash a little bit of cash on me, but I would always rely on him. 
So when it was time for me to get the groceries, even if it was time for me to get toiletries, sanitation mm-hmm. napkins for myself, it was like he thrived on that because I would have to beg him. Yeah. Not ask. So like, you would have to beg. Have to, yeah, like, please, like, I need this money. I, you know, that's what it was. Mm. And then when was... The, when did that light bulb switch in your head when you realized you can't do that? I, I want to kill myself. I'll never forget. I lived in the um, Wedge Complex. Was that was it the Pro Ridge? Uh, or was it uh, what? What's the name of the? Com- I don't want to give out the information because people might start googling. Right. But I lived in a complex and how the apartments are in Hawaii. We're talking about towers, like like eighteen floors with balconies. Mm-hmm. And and um, sure enough, on the stairwell, I walked up to like the 18th floor, and I was gonna throw myself off because I said, "Fuck it." Mm-hmm. I was this close, and I said, and I really was. And um, my friend caught me, and I told her. I finally told her what happened, and she said, "Aisha, please, just pack what you need to. I'll help you. I'll give you some money, mm-hmm. and and take what you need." To. And um, that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. So I, that, was, I, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna kill myself. I wanted to. I was thinking, like you know, but it was just like, sure enough, she. I, I told her what happened. Mm-hmm. I was telling her. She suspected, but right. once I told her, she she was like, she didn't even go into the whole ranting and raving about him. She said, "Okay, take what you need to take and go," mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I did. I left. Um, it was. I remember because it was. It had to have been the week of August fifteenth. Around the week of August fifteenth, I wanted you know, to know. Yeah, and okay. I was gone. Wow. Took what I took and I left, and I never, I never returned. Mm-hmm. It was the week of August fifteenth because I remember the movie Straight Outta Compton was coming oh, out that oh. Friday. So if it was the week of the fifteenth, it had it was like on a Sunday evening because I came to California on Monday because it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday flight. It was a night flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did he Return. ever huh? try to contact you back? Like, you know, try to find you, try to look for you, contact you? No, he didn't care. He didn't care. No, he yeah. didn't care. One coming down, women, her like, women like her coming down a dozen. Or so right. I assumed that was his thought process. He didn't care. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you point, said, he he's a military man. He's making money. Yeah. yeah. Next one. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. He contacted me Spring Fest 2019. Mm. Uh, it was the the day before the carnival, remember when we had, I don't know if you remember, remember we had that carnival and mm-hmm. the, and the quad that uh-huh. was on a, I want was it a Thursday? He contacted me that Wednesday. It hmm. told me he was sorry. Wow. Did you respond? Found me on Facebook. No. My success. Seeing what I was doing at Grambling and stuff. He was like, I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole, I'm proud of you. I know you could do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Top of nonsense, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the shit that I put you through. That's what he told me. Right. He said, I hope you find it in your heart to forgive me. Mm-hmm. And um, I told him yes. And more or less, I got off the phone. I said, all right, I have to forgive you. And not for you, but for me. Right. I have to move on. But I've always, yeah, definitely. I was keeping all of that um, from for years. Mm-hmm. Up until he said he was sorry. And that was back in 2019. Yeah. In March, yeah. March 2019, mm-hmm. the week of Spring Fest. Yeah. And I'm glad that you said that you did. Like you said, you forgave him for yourself. You didn't forgive him for him. You know what I mean? He, well, he had to go through his own forgiveness process. Of there himself. you go. 
and he had his issues. He right. had his own demons. And then right. I had my own demons. I mean, I've dealt with certain trauma too from my childhood and you know, just just certain things. No, it is what it is. And and you know, I have to do some reflection too. So, and um, I'm not excusing his behavior, uh, behaviors or what he did to me. I'm not excusing it, but, you know, um, everybody has to be accountable. So it was like, I forgive you, but it was deeper than you because it was really me. I should have left. I should have did this. I should have did that. Not blaming myself, but, you know, where it was like, you know, it's deeper than you, but I had to forgive him. It was deeper than him, but I had to forgive him. Yeah. I had to. Yeah. And that's really strong of you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're back now in the States. You just Oh, yes. 2015. Uh, yeah. You no, no job. <laughs> so no now training. you're back. No job. Oh, no man. Training. And I was going through post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. I was afraid to leave my room. Now, first of all, my mother, she didn't know. She just thought we broke up. So she just like, you know, she working. So she's like waking up in the morning, waking me up. Oh, you need to get up and get a job, blah, blah, blah. I don't mm-hmm. know, like moping around that mother F. I told you not to deal with him. But she didn't know what I went. Nobody knew. Yeah. But that friend, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. That friend. And, um, and. Was there a reason why you didn't tell your mom? Were you ashamed or you just. Didn't oh, think- my mother would have went off. Because he oh, was still in service. She would have, she would have called. Yeah. And made sure he was right. And it would have been mm-hmm. dropped. And there's like, oh my God. And then, yeah. you know, all the naysayers. Oh, well, now she's saying something. I, you know, now she want to say something. You know yeah. how it is. How would, why would they want to wait now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why she want to wait now? And that, you know, so no, I just kept it to myself. You know, I, I didn't tell nobody then. So why should I say something now? I know. Mm-hmm. And um, had no job experience. Last time I actually worked and got a paycheck from a job was back in 2012 mm-hmm. when I was working at Macy's. No, 2011 when I was working at Macy's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so from 2011 to 2015, that's what, four years? Like, yeah. um, I didn't have nothing. So um, uh, one day my mother was like, Aisha, they're hiring the Unified School District. The school, you know, they're looking for people to work for after school program for the kids. They pay good money. And I was like, all right, cool. So I have, um, I was too afraid, my tr- like traumatic, like my trauma and the, you know, my anxiety was terrible. So mm-hmm. I called my friend and I told my friend at the time, I said, take me over here so I could take this test so I could be, work for school. And she mm-hmm. said, okay, cool. And so um, I know how she is. She, she picked me up, but she's, um, <laughs> God bless her, but she wasn't punctual. Mm-hmm. She was never on time. For nothing. Not even if it was a job interview. She'll be late to her own. She's the type of person she'll be late to her own funeral. Hmm. God bless her, but she's that type of person. It is what it is. So yeah. I knew that, okay, she could take me, but I'll be late and I'll be my excuse. Like, oh, well, I was late. At least I tried. You know, I had that type of excuse and I did that because it was like, I, I doubted myself. I knew that, oh, I couldn't pass this test to work with kids. I wasn't smart enough. Um, my anxiety, so me working, me getting to the workforce, I just didn't have that confidence in me. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, we were late to take the test. Well, I was late taking the test. And so um, I said, you know what? So my spirit said, go to the Urban League, the San Diego County Urban League off a of market. Um, and you're like, what's market? <laughs> it's, it's a neighborhood, like, you know, off a street in mm-hmm. South San Diego. So I went and um, when I went inside, um, 
the doorbell rang because when you entered the door, the doorbell would ring. And so it was a nice brown skin, um, you know, woman had a nice, I'll never forget, she had an orange dress on and she had pearls and she had her hair in a ponytail and she was like, how can I help you? And I said, uh, I don't know. I just need help. I know y'all can help people find jobs. I, I don't, I just need help. And she looked at me, she looked at me for a minute and she said, come follow me. So I followed her, sat in her office. And <laughs> the first thing I seen in her um, office was um, the, de- it was a Delta painting. Delta Sympathetic Sorority Incorporated. It was a painting mm-hmm. of a woman hold- holding the pyramid side. And then I seen accolades of like Howard University, you know, and, um, and she said, you know, I sat at her, sat at her, you know, table and she was like, she introduced herself. She said, yeah, my name is Key Hagen. I'm the director of programming programs for, um, you know, director of programs at the Urban League and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, she's telling me about herself and, uh, she said, so enough about me, tell me about you. And I didn't tell her all the stuff I went through in Hawaii, but I was just like, oh, I, you know, I just left you know, Hawaii. I wasn't really working and you know, I, I don't really have work experience like that. I just need some work. I need to do something. Mm-hmm. She said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you work under me, um, as a volunteer. And although you won't get paid for it, you know, you could gain some experience and stuff like that. And then, you know, if the job opportunities come available, I will let you know. Right. And that's what I did. And everybody at the Herbal League from the CEO, Ray King, from the COO to Director of Programs Key, from everybody from the e-board to the workers, they, every day that I was there doing clerical work, they would talk to me about education. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the importance of being a college degree and how I should go back to school and blah blah blah. You know, just drop a gym, right? And slowly but surely, I said okay, and um, I I started to look at going back to school, and um, I seen that the California Community Colleges had a program called TAG, which is the Transfer Agreement Program. That basically, if you have enough college community college credits, doesn't matter which California community college. You could transfer to, at the time, it was 36 HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clark Atlanta was on the list. Fisk University was on the list. Tuskegee, um, to name a few, was on the list. And I said, okay, those are the real well-known name, you know, schools. And so some of the people that worked at the Herbal League went to HBCUs. And so they would talk to me about HBCUs and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe once I enroll myself into school, spring 2016 do a few semesters you know and then transfer out spring um transfer out spring 17 and i'll I'll enter in fall 17 and so that's exactly what i did that's exactly what i did Mm -hmm. i started working i started um i worked at ralph's (laughs) i worked at the grocery store again Mm -hmm. and i was okay it was an honest job they paid every week they paid good money and i just started to make my money started to build just started making money right. and um, started networking. Um, I met so many uh, Gramlich alumni from San Diego um, and those that were educators because I want to pursue education. I said, oh my God, this is divine intervention right here. So, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's what I did. And I did that up until um, uh, summer 17. And then when it was time for me to go, I left and I came to Grambling August, was it August 12th? 2017 for welcome week i came on it was a monday so i, I forgot the day. i just remember it was around the 12th <laughs> and it was that monday i remember yeah. i came and okay. it was a culture shock 
And that's what I was going to ask you next, because, I mean, you're coming from um, San Diego. So like you said, growing up, it was like 11% African-American in your community. Well, so now, at this time, when I came back home, it became 3%. Okay, so yeah, so uh-huh. it was 3% when you returned uh-huh. back from Hawaii. Yeah. Uh-huh. But now you're moving back to, you know, you're in the dirty South now. You're in the middle of Nothing black folk, black people, nothing but black folk, country black folks from all mm-hmm. over. I mean, you got the country black folks that's born and raised there. Oh, and yes. then you got black people coming from all over the country, from the world, all over the country, uh-huh. all right to Grambling's campus. So, what was it like? Um, you like the shift there? What was the culture shock like there for you going to? Grand I think I think I wasn't naive about the culture shock because I've been in the South. Like I said, I told you I was engaged twice. Mm -hmm. So my first engagement, I was in Texas for a short amount of time. But all of my exes, you know, military, of course, they're from the South. So Mm -hmm. I would visit their hometown and I would be there for a short while, you know, visit the family. So I knew about the South. Right. So I wasn't naive about the South, but it was the fact that it was so many Black people all in one space. Mm Mm-hmm getting an education yes hbcus the closest hbcu in california is um texas it was right. texas southern Perry View on wiley mm-hmm. i believe but no there are no such thing as an hbcu in california in right. fact um the see that and the see black professors black cafeteria workers mm-hmm. black custodial workers everybody black yeah that's that was like, I was like, oh my god, it was like, like a not a Hispanic insight, she was lost, girl. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, oh man, and, yeah, you know. And even if there were Hispanics, they were black like me and you, you didn't even know that they were Mexican, right, or um, Puerto Rican or Dominican because mm-hmm. they were black, and most of them identified with being black right. or they acknowledged their African roots, Absolutely. so to speak. So mm-hmm. that was a culture shock. Um, and you know, this is during the Trump era. You know, mm-hmm. I left conservative because people think California is so liberal. Liberal, but I tell you, Cal- uh, San Diego, yeah, it's conservative. Right. Yeah, we may have a Democratic mayor. That means that means nothing. California, San Diego, California is very conservative. So coming from that aspect, coming from that space to a whole different world, it was a different world for real, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. But I was I was self conscious because I said, "Oh my God, most of my peers." I came in, remember. It was, I came in fall 17, so it will be class of spring 21. And I was so self-conscious because I'm like, oh my God, most of my peers are 17. Fresh out of high school. Most most of them were fresh out of high school. Give or take, give or take, they were uh, not even fresh, community college. So they're about 20, Mm -hmm. if that. You know, and it's so crazy. I'm sorry to cut you off Uh because it's making me think because. I, I was going to obviously ask you this question, but I'm in the same boat too. So, I mean, I'm a couple of years younger than you. So you were born in 90. I was born in 94. I'm four, year, four years younger than you. So I, I went into Grambling in, in uh, 2017 as well um, I remember. as a 23-year-old. And I was thinking the same thing. I was like, at first, I didn't think it would matter as much. But of course, once you get on campus and you see the way p- people interact with each other, the party and the dance. Right. If you've kind of already been there, done that at an early age, and then yes. now there with people that are like 17, 18, 19, right. never left their mama house, right? left, in, like, you know, so this is like their chance to go buck wild, like, you know what I mean? Rightfully <laughs> so, and rightfully so, because when I was right. 17, 18, like, I was going, I was having my fun, but going into college as a 23-year-old, your mindset is different, like, 
you're not you're more focused you're more oriented um you know you may feel like you can't relate to people of that you know of that peer group so how was that like um kind of shift like you said you felt a little uncomfortable at first mm-hmm. I, I felt uncomfortable I think the shift I'll never forget when I moved in and my sister left and she was going to the airport um I cried because I mm-hmm. said oh my god I made it but it's like what if I don't make any friends because it seemed like you know remember welcome week it seemed like everybody knew everybody mm-hmm. and I, I didn't I knew of some people, you know, from San Diego, but not to have, like develop a friendship, like you know what I mean, on that level where I had a community of my or a, a you know friends of my own. I, I didn't have that. I really didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And I cried. I called my mom. I said, "Mom, oh my God, I made a mistake. I ain't got no friends." Mama said, "Girl, you just got there. You haven't been there for twenty four hours. You go out and make friends, talk to people. You know, mm-hmm. you got a good personality. People will like you." And um. Sure enough, that's what I did. I found a community of, I found a group of friends. Um, I knew Tanisia because we met through a college counselor through the, like I said, through the California Community College um, Transfer Agreement Program. They'll oh, connect okay. you to students yeah. from the, all over California that's going to the same school as you. I didn't know that. And okay. so we were the, we were, the, and they started this program back in 2015. So we and two, we came in 2017, so we were the second year cohort to do it. But we were, um, at the time, the counselor, we were her first group. Because this was her first time, you know, pairing us up and, you know, getting into the program herself as a counselor. Mm-hmm. So, nonetheless, this was all new to all of us. But, nonetheless, that's how I met Tanisia. And so, I met Tanisia. I knew of um, Ashley. She's from San Diego. So, that's how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Anissa in front of the dorm. Yes. She just... Well, like the first day I moved in, she seen me. She was like, "Hey, I don't know anybody, um, but you like to be friends." And I say, "All right, cool." I chastised her a little bit before I said, "All right, take my number down." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we met. Um, I met Kiara through Ashley because they were roommates. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Deidre through Ashley because they were roommates. So, and you know, roommates started meeting each other's friends. So that's how we all met. Yeah. Um, I met Jasmine through Tunisia because Jasmine and Tunisia were roommates. Mm-hmm. And then I met Keelan. We all met Keelan. Keelan was the, the cherry on the top. Yeah. During Welcome <laughs> Week on Sunday, Keelan was on the yard by himself. And I walked up to him and I just talked to him. I introduced myself. I said, Come along, meet us. Like, come meet with us. And uh, he met. That's how we met. Yeah. And that's how it was. And I, it worked out. Yeah, and you guys were, and honestly, when I first met you guys, I met Anissa first because, for one, we met each other through orientation, and two, Uh um, she told me, yeah, we're the same major, so we were both in the social work line, Uh so um, I met her just, like, just me and her, and then she was like, oh, well, you should come meet my other friends, like, I just met them, and when I met all of y'all, like, Tanisia, Kiara, I'm all of y'all. You would have thought that y'all knew each other yeah. for years. Like y'all yes. had already been. We at clicked. Family. It was it a beautiful bond. Up. Yes, I will say. I think because all of us, um, we were new. Most of us were new, and then you know, um, I believe Kiara was there at the time. She was there before us, but you know, it's like just fresh faces, fresh personalities. So it was probably refreshing for her, mm-hmm. um, you know, to to just to be in that space 
you know, meet new people, good energy. And then um, Ashley was new. She came in spring 17, so she really didn't have, she had friends, but to really have friends like that, it was new for her as well. So mm-hmm. it was just refreshing and a new environment, new energy and grambling, you know, grambling was on, you know, the football season, the band, we were popping. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was a beautiful time. Mm-hmm. It was, an, I will, you know, I'll be 31 in August and I could say 2017 was one of the best years I ever had. And especially going to Grambling State when I entered. Absolutely. When I got on campus when I entered Pearl 3 Main Street. Yeah. Uh, Robinson 202. That, that's my favorite door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved yeah. it. I and I remember meeting you. And I'm going to tell you, keep in mind, we all met. So that party that you went to, that was for my birthday party. Keep in mind, I never met. These, these are like, we haven't really, we were friends, but not friends like to that extent. And the fact that they threw a big ass birthday party for me. Yeah. You remember we had cake, food. Mm-hmm. I mean, that party was popping. So I remember, and I remember meeting you for the first time. And I thought you and Jasmine were sisters. Everybody thought y'all were sisters or cousins. Uh-huh. I don't think you remember that. And I was like, oh, like, oh, are y'all sisters or cousins? And y'all was like, no, why? Because we light-skinned. I said, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, y'all just look alike. Really? That's great. Really? Everybody thought y'all were cousins or sisters. Because we just clicked, too. Like, her and I just happened to click, too. So, and we lived in the same dorm. See? So, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, I remember meeting y'all. That's how I met you. Briefly, you know, because we was all tore up, but. I remember you you did come. So, yeah, that was my first encounter. And that was, what, the second week of school? Third Mm -hmm. week of school? So, yeah, that was pretty, that was so much fun. That was actually one of the best birthdays I ever had. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Grandma in 2017, that first semester, that That first semester was popping. Crazy. I can't describe it. If you was there. You just have to be there. You you just have to be there. (laughs) The band, the the cafeteria, oh, was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's when we were with uh, Airmark, yeah, we was with Airmark, mm-hmm. and the Express had Burger King and Panda. You remember yeah. and the slushies and the pod? How you we could make our own slushies? Yeah, and Jabba Juice. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I liked. Uh, we had a great time. And one thing I really liked, um, and one thing that you did once you got to Gremlin, like you said, you really did get involved. You really did, did. go out and put yourself out there, and you met people. And I did. That's probably one thing. I regret I'm a little I'm a little bit more reserved and once I kind of peep certain things I kind of fall back but I do wish that I would have joined like a club as far as like not even going Greek just like a journalism club or maybe I would have joined like NAACP or you know Uh, what I mean if I would have looking back I would have liked to do that but I think what after like I said after the fall semester Gremlin kind of got weird for me and that's where I kind of took more a reserved step back like I said I didn't eat with y'all as much I didn't no, you it was just my own personal battles that was going on with certain things on campus I didn't feel comfortable always walking around on campus and I've spoken about like you know my sexual harassment kind of yeah issues yeah on- in previous episodes, but yeah, I'm so sorry I, that happened to you. I, no, I, 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 we, I, I, we had no. I think for most of us, we had no clue that that happened to you. Yeah, and it's okay. Um, I, most people didn't because I didn't tell people a lot about it. Um, 
that was just me kind of shielding and protecting myself. I just kind of stayed to my room, stayed to myself. I didn't really go out like that unless I had people to go with me. I kind of, for me personally, walking around Gremlins campus by yourself at night and stuff like, yeah, it's not the most dangerous thing in the world. But I think for when you're a girl and you've already kind of experienced harassment on a level, you definitely don't want to go out um, at night by yourself. And just because of the way you have to think, Anissa and I's uh, dorm room, you have to walk through the yard to get to the cafeteria. And if you yes. know Gramlin the way that you knew Gramlin 2017 and the back of the yard, the express was and the post office, everywhere, you know, black, like, and sometimes they weren't even people that went to our school. No, like, you know These anybody could come, anybody could come to campus. That's right. It was rough. It was very rough. So, mm-hmm. and you know, we outside, like, you know, it's hot outside. You may be wearing booty shorts. You may be, you know, teach us on, wear whatever you want, but you know, you're being catcalled, you're being yelled at, you know, you're being, you know, people are grabbed on. Stuff to, yeah, you're being grabbed yeah. on. So yeah. I just, I think it was a lot for me because it's not like I haven't been in um, environments or places with all black people, right? Like, you know, I lived in, I live in Dallas. I, there's a big black population here, but I talk about in a few episodes before with the sexual harassment in the, in the South, just the black men they're very aggressive and i'm not going to say the south i'm just going to say depending on where you're at black men can be very aggressive in that climate and i felt like gremlin it wasn't very heavily patrolled like we had cops and stuff but they weren't patrolling like how they probably are now or how after the incidents with the two guys getting shot yeah. and killed on campus i remember like that. you know what i'm saying like before at Gremlin, you could do whatever you want to That's do. Right. Like we were smoking weed on walking around. You show you know us. I'm saying? Like it was just yeah. you could just run go run buck wild on that you, campus. So you could run wild. Could do whatever they wanted to do. And it wasn't like they had a big police presence or it wasn't like they had people that would really kind of stand up and be like, Hey bro, chill. That ain't what's like you get what I'm saying? Right. Nobody the consequences really, weren't and it was the the the, the um so to add to your point, I remember the the shooting. It was it was Earl, and I forgot the other young man's name. Mm-hmm. That was around homecoming weekend. Mm-hmm. The homecoming, remember that was around. Yeah, homecoming. it was homecoming week. Yeah. It was homecoming week, and I remember it was just so eerie because it just sucks. But security was heavy. Mm-hmm. But after that, it died. Yeah, it died. Right. And so in 2018, spring 2018. Oh my God, it was. It was off the chain too because mm-hmm. that the 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 security presence wasn't as heavy, right? And so you are right. And um, in hindsight, I guess you could say I was very fortunate. I mean, I guess you, you could say I was fortunate only because um, I used to work. I remember you. I don't. You probably remember I used to work at the AC mm-hmm. at the assembly center. Yep. And at night. You know, this is during, you know, daylight savings. You know, it gets dark around, what, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock? Mm-hmm. So, you know, by the time I walk back from work to my dorm, you know, if the band's not practicing, I'm I'm kind of SOL because, you know, ain't no telling who's going to be driving up, you know, pulling to the side. But I can't say I knew so many people um, that wouldn't even allow me to walk back to my room. Cause they would see me there, get in the car, girl. Yeah. I'm like, okay. You know, it was that type of, but I've heard stories 
um, including yours, um, and unfortunate stories about the, the, the verbal harassment. Yeah. And not even the verbal harassment, sexual assault. Right. I've heard stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very unfortunate. And the, 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 they need to work on that. It seems That's like the only time they work on security presence is if somebody shoots on campus or there's a staff, basically an incident. Basically, when it's too late, you know, kind of thing, instead of taking the necessary precautions. And right. um, like I said, I don't want to paint this picture like uh, black men in the South or black men in particular. But I know because like, I, I can tell for you. myself on that campus. Well, I feel like I was always protected by my own black men, if that makes yeah. sense. I get what you're saying. I get what you're coming from. And, you know, I know how you were, too. You mm-hmm. knew you knew people like I'm not going to mention certain guys names, but, you know, in groups. We were cool, but they're not, that's not necessarily their duty to protect right. you. It's supposed to be the university police. Absolutely. So I, I definitely understand your, um, your sentiments and I'm, I'm so sorry. Cause I remember do, I remember seeing you a lot, but the only time I would catch you was in the cafeteria and you would go early in the morning. Cause you know, I would go in the morning after my little workouts too, and mm-hmm. I would see you, but by the time I would come in, you'll be walking out to go to your room. And I'm like, damn. Yeah, I never see her, but I, I just thought, you know, she just, I could be in her own little zone. Yeah, and, and see, that would be my protocol. If, like, nine times out of ten, the only people when you wake up in the morning to go to breakfast, unless you were, like, the football team or you yep. were just a naturally early bird, those uh-huh. are the only people that's in the calf in the morning. Right. The calf right. didn't really get popped until, like, lunch or dinner. So there my thought process was, if I go to the calf, eat breakfast, that can sustain me through lunch and stuff. Of course, I'll take, like, an apple or something out. But y'all wasn't going to see me unless I knew y'all were there for certain for lunch or dinner. And yeah. even then, sometimes I wasn't coming. But that was kind of like my way of not having to be in front of a lot of people, too, if that makes sense. So I was kind of doing that my own way, just like navigating, not having to be around a lot of people. Like, you know, I would take 8 a.m., 9 a.m. classes so I can be back in my own room by 11, 30, 12, so I didn't have to walk across the campus by myself to go to class. So I didn't want to have to be catcalled. Like, you know, right. So my thought process though, like I was really strategically moving like that. So, so let me ask you this in in, in retrospect, do you think that perhaps if you would have joined, you know, social clubs, like whether it's NAACP or even if you was on the, you have such a great uh, radio, you know, presence, you know, so if you would have joined, you know, the radio station and joined a nice community, do you think that you would have had that mindset or do you think you would have had more of a large support system that you wouldn't have to necessarily do that? Um, I feel like if I would have joined an organization or something of some type, maybe I wouldn't have mm. gone through so much of that. But I don't think it would, I think it would only be because they knew me. And I don't know if that necessarily makes the experience better. Because even oh. if it for people that, say, for example, there are female students who don't really want to be a part of anything and they just want to exist on campus and be a student and that's it. Right. They right. shouldn't have to be subjected to yeah. catcalling, verbal yeah. things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't have to yeah. be a well-known face on campus. Yeah to not go through certain things. But I do think that once I sensed that happening, all my walls just went up. So I didn't want to be a part of it. I'm so sorry. It's okay. And where you live, and and for the people who don't know, it is still like, oh man, well, you know, where you guys stay, where where you reside, Wheatley, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's now an all boys dorm. Right. But during this time, it was all girls. Mm-hmm. But the guys stayed across the street, but it wasn't, uh, it, 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 it wouldn't have made a difference. There was nothing but guys outside. Mm-hmm. And most of them weren't even the students. Right. It was just reg- random men. Grown random men, walk- grown men. And that's what I mean, grown men, grown men, like, grown. their daddy's age grown. Yeah. Trying to catcall you, harass you. Yeah. And, you know, yes, that was true. Definitely, and I, you know, where I lived was Robinson. I'm on the main street, so there's police presence and people could see what's going on. But if you have to walk through, you know, the like you said, walk through the yard, walk behind the yard to get to your dorms, you know, and it's a lot going on too. Yeah, yeah it, wasn't, it was not safe. And in fact, like I said, two people were killed right there, mm-hmm. so it was not safe. Yeah, it wasn't safe. But I am sorry that that happened to you. I wish that you would have. Um, you know, not it's it's not my position to say. Yeah, oh, I, I wish you would have said something, but it's like, oh, I wish because I swear, I just thought you just you know some people like being to themselves. And yeah, staying in their room because you know some some girls did that. They just stayed in their room, mm-hmm. not because they were scared to go out. They just like to be in their room and watch TV all day and eat food. Right. <laughs> I That's think it what they was did. definitely a mixture of both for me. Like I wanted to go out to Graham to get more, to become more social. And when that happened, I just kind of retreated back to like, see, this is why I stay to myself. But looking back, like, you know, I definitely, I didn't speak up maybe the way I should have. And I do regret that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's ha- it, it happens and it's a part of my life. That's probably like the con of Gremlin, but I have so many pros from being at Gremlin as well. You know what I mean? Oh, girl. So, um, Don't we all? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, going back uh, back to what we were talking about on subject. So, you know, you got to Graham, you met a great group of friends, you got mm-hmm. involved in different organizations, you know, you started oh, writing. You I started, sure did. Um, you joined the NAACP. Everything really seemed like it was kind of coming to place for you um, with you finding your own niche at Gremlin. And then, you know, I know that your mom did get sick while we were in school together. Oh, yeah. Um, Talk about how that that shit. My mother was, um, she was a bigger woman. She was plus size. Mm -hmm. And so imagine if I could compare the two. If you remember the old Al Sharpton, you know how Al Sharpton was real big? Mm-hmm. And then imagine, so from August, she was that big. And then when you come home in December, she's the size of the skinny Al Sharpton. Right. Imagine seeing that. And she wasn't on no diet or nothing like that. And I'm like, Mom, what's going on? I, when I got off the airport, she picked me up. I cried mm-hmm. because I said something's not right. I, I thought it was cancer. And she said, oh, no, it's not cancer. And my brother reassured me, oh, it's not cancer. You know, she was she was telling me oh that happens when you get older you you tend to lose weight you know and I'm like oh okay being naive but um the fact of the matter is her kidneys were shutting down Mm. and um her kidneys were giving out you know and uh high blood pressure and all just types of elements going on but she wasn't saying nothing to me she didn't tell me uh in fact um she didn't tell my sister she just kept it to herself but she said, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Like, you know, ain't nothing wrong with me. I just lost weight because, you know, that's what happens when you're old. You lose weight. Right. And I just, I just, but I knew. I knew something was off. But what could I, I can improve it. Right. You know. And so, um, 
it would bother me having to come back to school each time for break because it was like she was losing weight slowly but surely and she was moving slow and getting ill more ill and so I think what really did it was fall 2018 it was in August I remember because um Aretha Franklin had died and my mother loved Aretha a huge Aretha fan right yeah. But mm-hmm. when I told her the news, my mother was on the phone with me. She was like, oh, baby. I'm so... she, she sounded so nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And then um, she was like, oh, well, I'm going to go to the hospital. This She was like, oh, the next day I got a doctor's appointment or something like that. And um, I'll, uh, I'll call you when I get home. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it's, 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 she seemed off, but I'm like, okay. And so I haven't heard from her the next Me and my sister haven't heard from her the next day. Mm-hmm. And so we had, we called the police. They said, we can't file a, me- a missing report. If it's been, it has to be, I think, was it 24 hours? Is it 24? Yeah, yeah. 24. Has been for 24 hours. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm anxious. She ain't answered the phone. She answered the home. And my, I called my neighbors. My neighbors like, yeah, your mom's car isn't there. We, we checked the house. I even called my dad. He stayed up the street from my house. So he was like, I'll go check. And so my even my dad came with my um, half-brother to check on to see where my mother was if she wasn't home. And we called every hospital to see if she checked in. And they said they didn't have no record. And then uh, my sister finally called the hospital down the street from my home. And she was in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was checked in. She was admitted. And uh, her high blood pressure and and her, and that's when we found out about her kidneys. When she finally, you know, we, we found out about her kidneys. Mm-hmm. And so um, that scared me. It scared me because although she was released and to come home, her diet wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, the money, you know, although she had um, insurance, it, it, it still wasn't enough. You yeah. know, with certain things, it still, she wasn't able to afford. Mm-hmm. Um, certain medications and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I I, I had I, I couldn't afford to go to Bayou. Although someone offered to pay for me to go, I I wasn't able to afford Bayou Classic my freshman year and mm-hmm. my sophomore year because the money um, I barely was getting from Grambling working as a student. I was sending that money back home to my mother so right. to pay for bills. Wow. And not even that spring break because you know mm-hmm. everybody was going to spring break and stuff. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't do that. I, I mm-hmm. stayed in the dorms with the international kids over spring break, yeah. you know, because I, I couldn't afford it because I was supporting my mother, you right? Because I, I just wanted, and that wasn't enough. Even mm-hmm. me and my sister pitched it, it still wasn't enough. And when I came home, spring 19, um, two weeks later when I was home, my mother had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And that changed everything. Everything. When I mean everything, um, yeah. And that was the beginning. I told her, and I regret that too, but I, I told her, I said, this is the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Because I knew. Like you knew that she wasn't going to recover from that. I just knew that she wasn't, this was the beginning of the end, meaning that Soon enough, show, yeah, show. Um, she mm-hmm. won't progress, mm-hmm. and that this was the beginning. 
And um, I regret saying that to her because I was, I was just my emotions, and I, I wasn't saying it to oh. be sagacious or being mean to her. But I was, I knew. Right. I said it out loud, and she looked at me. And she, she didn't say anything. She just looked at me. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, um, but deep down, she probably knew too. Like you know yeah. what I mean. Like deep down, she obviously she knew. knew. And she so, like um, I had to learn quick. I mean, I was always a fast learner. I was always self-sufficient at this time. Um, but when it came to her affairs, having to get power will of an attorney, mm-hmm. uh, the durable of power, you know, the power of attorney. Yeah, that's real. Um, having to advocate for her, being her voice and my sister. But there were times my sister couldn't keep going back and forth to L.A. I was mm-hmm. in San Diego. while this happened in San Diego. I had to be the one to do X, Y, and Z. And I did. Yeah. In a short amount of time. And it was very stressful because mm-hmm. at this time when she was released from the rehabilitation center, oh, a lot. Oh, I could, I could go into detail. I could go into detail when I called the counseling center at Grambling. They were open. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put her name out there and you do not blur it out because I, I have to be, this is, I'm, it is what it is. Her name was Dr. Colleen Speed, mm-hmm. <laughs> the head of the, Grambling Counseling Center, I remember the, it was open because she got killed. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember Juanisha, she got killed. Right. That messed me up because she had so much promise and uh, everybody was dying. A lot of students were dying yeah. that summer. That time. And then my mom yeah. having a stroke, seeing her in ICU and her almost dying and stuff like that. That's We were talking about, uh, I don't even want to, oh my God, it was terrible. Yeah, And I called the counseling center and she told me while I was sitting next to my mother by her side mm-hmm. um, and when she was in the nursing rehab at this time she told me that your mother had a stroke, get over it. She told me that. That oh, stuck wow. me up. Dr. Coley Speed told me your mother had a stroke, I need to get over it. Not knowing that I'm by my mother's bedside like yeah. she 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 <laughs> Her speech is getting, it's getting better at this point, but she can't really eat food. She's on a liquid diet because of her speech. Because if you know thinking about strokes, when it comes to speech, you can't eat until you meet with the speech therapist and the, until they evaluate that this person can swallow food. And not yeah. even whole foods, it's a process. It's like a baby step. She didn't even, it was just a lot I was going through. Right. Okay. Emotionally, Physically, because I couldn't even be home. I was always at that. Technically, I couldn't even, I wasn't supposed to spend the night, but there was, I would spend the night days. I would pack up my backpack, pack up my undergarments and t shirt, deodorant, toothbrush, toothpaste, you know, uh, and, and the wet and the, uh, the um, face towel, you know, soap just to freshen myself up and stuff like that, change, you know, my drawers or whatever. And that would be it. And I would stay there. And, right. be, you know, because I was my mother's advocate. You know, because sometimes they would give my mother medication and stuff like that. But when it was time for her to do occupational therapy, physical therapy, my mom, she doesn't know what's going on and stuff like that. She just had a stroke. So her mind is not there. Like, it's not there yet. You know what I'm saying? Or not, well, it's never going to be the same, but just her memory. It was real, you know, she thought she was in the hospital because she had a pre- she had a baby. Right. She, you know what I mean? So her yeah. mind was going back right 1990 mm-hmm. she had, so it was a lot that I had to deal with and so for her to tell me that I said um fuck her I, fuck, I said fuck her and mm. fuck counseling fuck therapy fuck all that shit yeah. and I had a chip on my I was on some like fuck the world type shit yeah. and I was on that for a while and um 
and the you know and so when it was time for her to come home it was stuff with that because people in the family of course who didn't help hmm. um felt that i should sacrifice my education and not go to school and just take care of my mama and see and that was going to be my well, next question and my mother's words were mm-hmm. you know at this point she was in a wheelchair she could walk there's moving in the legs she could stand up, but for maybe five seconds, and she would want to sit down because she was too tired. Yeah. But she was comfortable in a wheelchair. But she could move in that wheelchair, and she could talk. Her speech was on point. She could eat. You know, she could do X, Y, and Z. Just the only thing she couldn't do was, you know, um, oh yeah, and keep in mind she was on dialysis, so we would have to do her dialysis, and that was a whole different ball game. Um, I know all about kidney failure. I know about dialysis. I know about PD. I know about. Um, the hemo, I know about the one in the arm. I know all different types of methods. I know how to do it, especially the PD when you do it at home. I'm mm-hmm. trained in that. In fact, I'm skilled in that because I have to do it for my mother. And right. you have to be on point because if you messed up, there could be infections or, you know, she gets sick, you know. But nonetheless, I had to do all that. But it was getting to the point where, um, you know, I was going back and I wasn't going to go back because I felt bad. This is my mother. You only get one mother. And, um, she's sick, you know, and my, my, you know, my sister's only one person, you know, we were trying to get resources just to get the basics of in-home support services, you know, but nonetheless, we were able to do it, but you know, people in the family and even neighbors were talking shit. Oh, she's selfish. That's fucked up. How she gonna leave her mama like that? Not her mama home alone. No, cause she went with the little, my sister, but we still kept the house, even though uh, nobody was there, but I was, you know, it was a safe house. We called it safe house. But anyway, um, people thought that I should have dropped out and finished later on. And my mom said, fuck everybody. She said that. My mother, <laughs> I loved her because she, she was very uh, transparent. She said, fuck everybody else, get your degree. Because she said, your sister got her education, I got my education, but you haven't got yours. And she said, what's going to happen to me is going to happen to me. And ain't nothing you can do about it. But she said, if you have a degree, at least that would be a security blanket for you. Yeah. She said, your bachelor's will help you. Mm-hmm. And and uh, sure enough, and that's what I did. But trust me, I hated being at Grambling Fall 19. Yeah. I was very angry. Mm-hmm. I was very depressed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I smiled, you know. Yeah. But my friends, everybody who knew, knew. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was very resentful. I was I was just mad because I felt like everybody got to have a good summer. Everybody got to do this. I couldn't do that because I had to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But my mother's dying. So, you know, it was just a lot I was going through emotionally. And physically, I gained, uh, yeah, I was gaining weight because I was just eating my problems away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really drink. Uh, you know, I wasn't drinking like that. But I was eating. Definitely, right. I was an emotional eater. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, I was, I was depressed. You could say I was depressed. I was. And would you say that, like, you say you were depressed and stuff, and, of course, your mom telling you to keep going and pursue your degree, that really helped you a lot, of course, to push through. But what else kind of, as far as on campus, what kept you going? Because, I mean, like you said, the counselor didn't help you. You were kind of like F counseling. Was there anybody? Uh, I had professors. My department head, Dr. Belton, Mm -hmm. uh, Department of History, she was there for me. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I had mentors from Grambling from San Diego mentored me, helped me out a lot, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't have to as far as the money. Um, 
I, like I said, I had professors reach out to me that knew, that found out, and they reached out to me. So, um, but they knew. Mm-hmm. People would find out. They would, this um, uh, former Grambling, uh, Ms. Grambling of 2017, 2018, Jimitri Robeson, mm-hmm. my friend, since I got to Grambling, she always reached out. Even after she graduated, she always reached out to me to see how my mother was doing, see if we needed anything, any type of resources or basically money or whatever I needed. Right. If I just want to get away on campus and go for a walk out of the lake, she'll be there, you know, but that was my support system, friends and faculty members, even the cafeteria workers who knew, mm-hmm. um, they were very supportive. The people at the Express, you know, the, the people who worked at Burger King and stuff like that, some of them knew and would give me free meals, you know, yeah, <laughs> just to cheer me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was my support system. That's what kept me going that, you know, and they believed in me and said, hey, you know, you made it this far. You only got one more year left. Mm-hmm. I don't know, about two more years. 2019, this is fall 2019. So about give or take two more years. Like, you know, keep going. Right. Said, okay. And I did. But then it was like, okay, well, maybe if I hurry up and graduate, you know, I'll be able to come home, take care of my mom. I won't have to worry about going to school. I could just take care of my mom and I could just, my master's, you know, just leave that alone. But, mm-hmm. you know, and I could just give you a little teaching job, you know, and then at home at night, I could take care of my mom. Like, you know, I could just have somebody take care of my mom during the day and then I'll take care of my mom at night after work. So that was my mindset. I wasn't thinking about going to grad school. Right. But my mother was like, no, you're going to grad school. You need to apply. Um, give it some thought. You know, you need, you need to do it. Go for it. Because she said, you know, a bachelor's, that ain't nothing, especially for a black woman in San Diego. You yeah. can't get nowhere. Right. um, But she said, you're better than that. You're greater than San Diego. You need to do it. And Mm -hmm. you apply for whatever school. She said, even if you don't think you can get into it, she said, apply. She said, you got the grades. You got the experience. You got the, so you did so much stuff at Grambling. You Mm -hmm. might be a good candidate. And I said, okay. And so I did. Because I wasn't. I wasn't going to go to grad school. I was just going to work. Or hopefully find work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I wanted Thank to you. take this time to really just acknowledge um, the village um, at Gramlin as far as cafeteria workers, custodial workers, people working in the CAF. You know, we, of course, having a great um, foundation as far as being filled with professors and all that. That is amazing. But mm-hmm. it's also great to look to, you know, the people that often get overlooked, like, you know, the people that often most people don't usually respect, don't usually care to talk about, don't usually care to, you know, and they put in work, cafeteria workers, those yes, they black do. women, and yes, even the black men that work there, mm-hmm. they work their butts off to they make do. sure that, you know, we have meals, whether right. you, whether or not you like the food, that, that's one thing or the other. But those women, those black women really poured into us when we were at Grandma. Yes, I had so many great conversations with cafeteria workers working um at the calf working at the um tiger cat like the tiger express that we had like a little restaurant just things of that nature it makes me kind of think a little bit like um a different world how you know we acknowledge like the the older black men and Mm -hmm. the older black women that's a part of campuses that you know may not have degrees may not have you know, an educational background or whatever but they're not they're wise beyond their years. You know what I mean? Wise. um, Way wise. Yeah, and that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes education is education is free, Ain't so nothing. I would pick yeah. up game. Yeah, so education could be free if you think about it. And I would pick up game, you know, talking to them. But they were they were my support, and I definitely acknowledge them. 
and the articles written about me and, and talked about how they were good to me. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely acknowledge them. I love definitely. That. The custodial workers too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Them too. Uh, okay. That campus was a mess. So shout out to yeah. everyone that put in work to clean that mm-hmm. campus, to keep food on it. Like they don't get enough credit for what they do. They yeah. Work. Um, so big shout out to them. And yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, but okay, no, so no, no. you found solitude in your village as far as professors, right? Um, and so, like, you know, cooks, um, other people on campus that hold titles and roles, and they were able to help you kind of get through this tough time. Yes, and definitely. Definitely. What, what day or what year of that you were at Graham did your mom ultimately did pass away? My senior year, two weeks before graduation, March 5th, 2021. Wow, I didn't know. My brother died December 5th, Mm -hmm. 2020. My sister died October 8th, was it the 16th or 18th, 2018. So I lost, I lost people, but the one, my mother, yeah, that did it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so but I will tell you, back in uh, summer 2020, that was the best summer ever. Despite COVID, I don't care. People died during COVID. People lost their job during COVID. I understand that. But that was the best summer. Right. People ask me, Aisha, can you name the summers? 1998 was a beautiful summer. 2002 mm-hmm. was a good summer. Uh, 2005, 6, 4, 2013 was a good summer. Mm-hmm. Um, 2017 was a beautiful summer, but 2020, and because that was the last summer I spent with my mother, but not only that, I really took care of my mother. We yeah. really had a bond. We talked and she would tell me stories that, um, you know, we would just talk. We were, she was not only my mother, she was my best. And I realized that that moment, my mother was my best friend the whole time. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't see it as that you know, growing up. But yes, my mother was my best friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we would look at the versus battle. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She loved it. That's what, you know, that's what she is. She loves she loves the versus battle. Right. Um, but she didn't like the cursing. Yeah. You know, when she got older, she she couldn't can't, oh I'm telling that girl, but why you gotta talk like that? Yeah. I said, Mommy, you know Snoop Dogg talk like that. <laughs> but, um but yeah, she loved battles. We would look at um she would, I would have her catch up on a uh, power, um, you know, power, you know, uh, this was, uh, ghost mm-hmm. ghost. Uh, you, I don't know if you remember the power series. Ghost, uh-huh. Yeah. Book two. Yeah. She'll look at that. Um, not even that she loved watching YouTube videos. So she would look at the commentary, like the funky Geneva, you know, things of that, you know, just to keep her. Cause she loved the breakfast club. Mm-hmm. Monday through Friday, she would have we would listen to the breath. I would get her ready, get her dressed, bathe her and stuff like that. And she knew how to bathe herself, but I would have to um transfer her to like the shower, shower uh bench so she can, you know, bathe herself and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, like you know, that's what would get us in the morning. Um, I knew how to be I became a phenomenal cook. Because yeah. I had, my mother was a cook. My mother was an excellent cook, but I had to learn how to cook like her. Right. And how my mother, how she cooked, she was like, when you cook for people, you can't cook for you. You have to cook for everybody else, make it accommodating for everybody else, but still make it good. 
-hmm. you know, because not everybody likes it too spicy, not everybody likes it too sweet. It has to be, you know, seasoned just enough where anybody can enjoy it. It's like, damn, this shit good. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I have to learn that. My mother would be in that kitchen in her wheelchair and wash me. And if I messed up on one measurement, I have to start all over again. Oh, wow. Even if I have to start a new cake batter, I have to start it all over again. Even if it was breakfast and she'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, it's too spicy. Make it all over again. Mm -hmm. I have to do that. Yeah. So just certain stuff. Oh, man. But that was the best summer I ever, to this very day, I would cherish that for the rest of my life. Yeah. And um, doing stuff for her, buying her stuff. Um, Although I wasn't able to, like, take her to the mall, especially, you know, to, like, COVID. But I'll make sure I buy her perfumes. And she'd be so happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, We watched the fireworks together. You know, we would do on the 4th of July. Like, you know, it was just so much fun. And, um, sure, you know, she would tell me, she said, you think about grad school? I'm like, oh, no, I'm not too smart. And she said, no, look at these programs. Like, you know, look at the programs. Look at the schools you really want to go to. Look at the programs and just apply. When it's time, apply. Yeah. And, uh, sure enough, in the fall 2020, I applied. Right. And, uh, yeah. And so uh, back in February, uh, Vanderbilt was the first school to tell me yes. Mm-hmm. The second school to tell me yes was Rutgers. Mm-hmm. The third school was Columbia. And so with all these schools telling me yes, my mother said, congratulations, but she said, you're going to Columbia. So when the last school, University of Pennsylvania, told me I got in, which is another Ivy League, by the way, mm-hmm. my mother said, oh, you ain't going there. <laughs> she said, you're going to Columbia. She said, you're going to Columbia. What are you doing? Called yeah. it for you. Yeah. yeah. She said, no, you're going to Columbia. You're going to New York. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was that. And, uh, it was that Sunday I found out I got into UPenn because I checked my email portal mm-hmm. and that uh, Friday night, well, it would be Friday 11.30 at night because it was 11.30 my time is when I got the phone call she died. Mm-hmm. But I told her I got in and she was like, I don't care about that. You're going to, she's going to Columbia. She gave me some advice, you mm-hmm. know, about New York, but she was so happy. Yeah, and, and 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 I remember during the summer how I talked about going to New York, and she told me where to live, where not, because she lived in New York. She turned twenty one in New York. She was she was the first black female flight attendant for American Airlines in San Diego. Oh wow! So yeah, so she would tell me stories how she lived in New York and you know what she used to do. But I'm like, Mama, that was back in the day. Yeah, you ain't got that no more. She said, "Girl, but them men in Brooklyn will take care of you. Them men in Brooklyn got money." Mm-hmm. I said, "Mama, them men in Brooklyn ain't got money now, too." Girl. But you know, but we would have convo. We were, we are. Oh my God! And my friends at Graham, they was like, "You and your mom, like the way y'all talk to each other, it's, it's crazy." I'm like, "But that was that's your friend. That, yeah. that was my, that was my friend. Right? And how she communicated with me, even as a child, that's how it was. Right? So our code, yeah, of, right. people, yeah, it wasn't. No, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Nah, she, my mother didn't. She didn't care. But nah, she would yeah. talk to you like, oh, like girl. Get the fuck out. Like, you know, that's how we talked. It was, but oh man, but yeah. Um, I'm on a rant. I'm I'm waving no, right now. No, but it's okay. Mama, uh yeah, she she passed away. My sister my sister called and I already knew. But that week she wasn't progressing in the um like I said, me and my sister have a um uh Hey guys. So I always knew I wanted to start a podcast. Um, however, I had no idea really where to start, how to create one, anything of that nature. 
So I tried to self-teach myself through listening to others' podcasts. And by listening to other people's podcasts, I learned about Anchor app. If you haven't heard about Anchor app, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you truly need in one place to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Uh, yeah. That's really good that, um, that you know, you find, you know that you, like you said, you took great care of your mom. So I sure did. You're at peace at that. Like, you know what I mean? You were with her every single day. You yes. were with her when you could be with her, you know, in school. You, yes. You really did devote her time being here left. You really devoted that time to being a daughter like you know what I mean and really right. take care of her so right um, you regret nothing in that in that no yeah. and um like she said she said whatever happens to her you know that I at least I'll have my because she knew mm-hmm. they wanted me to get my degree while everybody else oh no you just stay at home blah 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 she knew she wasn't gonna be here that much long yeah so I need to handle my business so therefore when she gone I would have something to hold me down till right. you know I move move forward. And once I told her about Columbia, she was so happy. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, she we, we talked. She told me where she wanted me to be, like, you know, oh, live here, you should live here, and you know, just had my whole life plan. I'm like, Mama, you know, even, you. even her in the hospital, you know, she was still like, you know, pushing and mm-hmm. being my cheerleader. So um, you know, and I'm not gonna lie, when she when she died, uh, I cried, but it was yeah. kind of like I already knew because, mm-hmm. like I said, um, my sister and I, we have uh, what would you call that? It's the it's tip of my tongue. Basically, my mother didn't have a say so over her medical procedures. They would have to call my sister or I, and we mm-hmm. would have to give consent. Right. And so it was so it it seemed like every other hour, mm-hmm. every day. That from that Sunday up until she passed, they called me. Me and my, she was on a feeding tube at this point point in her stomach, mm-hmm. but she wasn't eating. Um, you know, just certain stuff. Yeah, and uh, it was it was getting bad, and I knew, I knew it was only a matter of time. So I would go in my office, and as she justice, I have an office in SGA, and what I mean, I would spend my nights crying. Mm-hmm. So when I got the news, I. Okay, then be strong. Yeah, I gotta keep a gang face because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, not only was I dealing with my brother's passing with his affairs, still, right, we have to, we have to handle my mother's, right. And uh, we, me and my sister, she's phenomenal, she was able to get stuff done. And uh, you know, it was more or less we'll just cream our hair, and then when you get back home, we'll have a ceremony for right. both of them. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what it is now. But you know, we. She was proud of me. She was. She was very proud of me. And she said, "This is just the beginning." Yeah, and that's amazing. And I believe her. I believe her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will. Um, I would say she probably she she manifested this for you. 
Like, you know. Yes, she did. You know, well, like, she told me, Columbia and everything. you know, you know, parents, you know, not, you know, don't disrespect, but traditionally, mm-hmm. and especially in, um, I know in certain West African cultures, or in certain cultures, mm-hmm. Black American culture too, mm-hmm. um, you, you typically name your child, and it's the, when you name your child something, and they manifest into that. You mm-hmm. get where I'm coming from? Right. And so when my mother, she specifically named me Aisha for several reasons. One, because the Nation of Islam, that was real huge in the late 80s. My, you know, everybody. Mama was on the little Nation of Islam tip because a lot of us was, was given Muslim names. The Maliks, the Aliyahs, yeah. the, you know, mm-hmm. Rashidas, Khadijahs, all of us. A lot of us is named after that, you know, the yeah. Nation. But this, the meaning behind Aisha is the mother of all believers, but it means life. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that Aisha means life in Arabic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, not only did uh, she give me life, but I changed her life. Mm-hmm. And that she told me I changed her life. She gave me life and I changed her life. And that um, I will go through life, but don't let it stop you. Right. And so that was one of the last things she said. She said, I love you. You know, she would call me fat. That was my nickname, P-H-A-T, fat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, definitely, like, it wasn't, you're saying that she spoke death being, you know, manifested that into me, but my name is manifest manifestation within itself. It's life. Mm-hmm. That she specifically, she said, I specifically named you that because of that purpose. Right. She was real big on that naming, yo. She said, oh, I wish black people would give their children Black kids name with meanings because that is the significance behind it, and right. they'll, they'll manifest it to that, mm-hmm. you know. But I that was just my mother, you know. That was my mother, you know. Yeah, but, but I believe um, that too. Giving kids good strong names, yes, that they'll grow into. There you, they'll I mean, grow into a name, it. A name so, that's that every that's phase right. in your life it will it will mean. Yeah, I believe. There that you too. go. So yeah. and she, that was one of her. <laughs> she was talking nonsense. She was like, you know. I want you to get on birth control, but she said eventually when you have your babies, please give them a Muslim name. Mm-hmm. She said, "Don't name it after." She said, "Don't name your daughter after me." No, no. Give your baby a Muslim. No, she said, "Give your baby a Muslim name." And okay. name go Mary. Mary's Mary's. You know whatever. Yeah. She said Marianne because I was named Marianne, but she said, "Nah." She said, "You give your baby a Muslim name." I said, "Well, what about Miriam?" That yeah. name has significance. She said, "Okay, that's fine." Yeah. You know, because I said mm-hmm. it has you in it. She said, "All right, that's fine." And she said, "Yeah, it does have significance." You know, whatever. Right. But she's really, she was real. Like, now nah, give your baby a, a name with meaning. Right. Give your black child a name with meaning. Absolutely. And I said, okay. <laughs> but um, I, uh-huh. I miss her, and there's not a day, you know, I, I dream about her. We, I have, we have conversations, but um, not, not, not as, not as a recent. And I understand. I, I think you know that's just it's part of the process, and I grieve. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm going to therapy. I'm in group therapy. It's it's a lot. Absolutely. But um, nonetheless, like my mother said, this is just the beginning, and everything that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. I just got here. And I'm already, you know, doing stuff, you know, um, and I I love it. And I it's it's moments I wish I could Facetime her. Yeah. Or plan a ticket or get a ticket. Now that I got, you know. Hey, come out here. Yeah. You know? but, but she's there. You, you feel, I know she's there. you know, she's, she's so they, happy. I wish wow. the physical. Yeah. What I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, Mother's Day passed. It's like, oh man, I wish I would have, 
but I but I always gave her flowers. Me and my sister always gave her flowers. Absolutely. We always did stuff. Mm-hmm. Because we knew. So we would give cheer her up and she was happy. So, you right. know, but it's moments, you know, and there's still going to be moments. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like I said, it's great to know, mm-hmm. like you said, she went out and without a doubt, you have no regrets. Like, you know, so many people, when people die, it's the woulda, shoulda, couldas. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, no, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't have no regrets. I, and you mm-hmm. were there. And you took care of her to the very end, and that is mm-hmm. more than anyone can ask for. Like yeah. you know, and you and you stayed in school and had a four yeah. point. Like you know, what yeah, I'm saying? four like, point. You yeah, definitely did yeah. that. So definitely kudos to you. But Thank I you. do want to ask you on some a brighter note. Now that you are now living in New York and your city, this new city. See, when you say I, New York, you gotta say New York City. New York City. In, I'm, in, I'm in the city. Yes, I am, baby. You are in New York City. Uh huh. Columbia University, the yes. University. Yes. Like, what? Yes. From from San Diego to Graham Fam to now. <laughs> That's a checkpoint. For real. That's a like, checkpoint. It's like people pew, like pew, to pew. talk so much about oh HBC. Listen, we produce some amazing people in this world. Okay. Don't ever let nobody tell you different. There you go. But how is this fate? What is New York like? Like, what is compared to Graham, compared to the the West Coast? Like, what is the East Coast like? Give me that. Okay. So, like I said, I grew up in uh, City Heights, Mid City. And if you know about City Heights, Mid City to this very day, it is very multicultural. Mm -hmm. And New York is. Um, I you know, I mean, it, it it has its issues when it comes to race relations and politics. But at the end of the day, um, it is a melting pot. Mm-hmm. Every ethnicity, every race, whatever you want, is there. But and that didn't phase me, so that's not the problem. But I think that not a problem where it's like, oh, like it wasn't a shock. But mm-hmm. I think the shock was like, wow, it's really a space for me as a black woman. And right. what I mean by that, it's hard to find a hairstylist. First of all, it's hard to find a, hair, a good hairstylist in Grand Louisiana. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And right. so when I mean I found black estheticians, just on the surface level, like I found black estheticians, hairstylists, therapists, mm-hmm. doctors, OBGYNs, like, you know, like there's, it's, and I know you're looking like, okay, we got that in Dallas. That's nothing. But coming from San Diego and then being in Grambling where we didn't, we didn't have that. We didn't have that at Grambling. Let's yeah. be real. We didn't have that in Louisiana. And to be quite frank, we don't have that in Louisiana. You mm. know what I mean? So right. when I mean there's a space for you where like black people owning vegan restaurants, vegan, uh, uh, vegan, uh, you know, restaurants where basically that will put Starbucks in business. Yeah. I ain't never seen, girl, yeah. Mainly in Brooklyn. But I live in the Bronx and there's so many businesses, so many, it's so much to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's only a short amount of time because time goes by quick. I'm here for some reason. I don't know why, but I love it. The food is amazing. Um, When they talk about the people, I mean, it's, it's good. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, 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 you know, the people can't. But you're coming it. from one major city to another. So walking yeah. around and like, you know, people say for example the south versus the north we always talk about southern hospitality or yada definitely yada. it's real but, but in new york everybody from the city yeah the new city york is from the city about. every it's kind of like every man for himself type but you will at the end of the day i'll now say this new york city is a city there is a space for you yeah 
It don't matter who you are. Don't matter where you come from, your socioeconomic background, what you identify with. Mm-hmm. If you identify with anything, there is a space for you. Yeah. Somebody go rock with you. So that whole mindset, oh, New Yorkers, I mean, they got attitude. Yeah, they do. But there's the people who go rock with you. Yeah. They go, they, they go, nah, they go fuck with you. They that's love true. you. They go fuck with you. That's going to be your people. And that's fine. You don't need a whole group. About three people. Boom. That's all you need. Maybe two mm-hmm. or even one. But there's a group. Um, I've met so many students from Columbia, actually black grad students, and majority of them graduated from HBCUs. Love it. Um, oh, girl, yes. What? Love it. Hampton, Howard, Spelman, of course, mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, FAMU, to name a few. Um, they're, 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 they're there. They're there, definitely. But I also met people, a lot of Gramlich alumni in New York. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't go to Columbia, but oh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a few. Right, man. I, I don't think it's fifty, but it's, it's at least it's hey, a good ten we of out us. Here. Look, we out but there. we're out here. Yes, but we we're out here. here, and um, I love it. And um, this is just the beginning, and I'm ready for this new journey. I'm ready for a new challenge because I know with Columbia being an Ivy League, one of the top, um, yeah, top ten schools. My program is one of the top ten. I think it's the top three. Yes, top three. Um, I know that it will be a, ta- a challenge. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I know that, but I'm up for it. All the stuff that I've been through my undergrad, it's like, okay, cool. And I, and I suppose I have to go through this. I have to go through what I have to go through in order to be successful in my career for one, but to endure the next yeah. chapter. Mm-hmm. And it may not even be that bad. It might just be in my head, right? It may you because, didn't been through yeah. so much. You may be yeah, it might be a cake and a walk. A walk through exactly. for all the stuff I've been through undergrad. It's like, oh, this ain't nothing. What? Mm-hmm. What? Nothing. nothing. Right, right, right. But I'm ready for challenges because in life, you know, we go through challenges and it's not a bad challenge. It's just life. We, yeah. You know, whether it's work or whether it's school or relationships or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. I'm up for it. I'm up for it and I'm open to it. Absolutely. But I can't say me being here. I've had job opportunities, job opportunities, girl. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, had to decline some. Well, yeah, I had to decline it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm still getting offers. Wow. Um, yeah, definitely. And you've so. even, like, you know, we talked a couple of days ago because, like I said, I am the East Coast. I feel like is my, like, I can see myself possibly living in LA for a couple of years, but I can mm-hmm. see my heart being on the East Coast. Um, everything from, I was thinking about moving to DC as far as, you know, laws and policy making, working Ooh. at the VA, at the veteran hospitals, at the mental hospitals. Yes. Um, yes. Even if we're talking about the arts, you know, yes. you can go to Shakespeare in the park in New York. You can That's go right. to, to catch a train from DC to Philly. Like, I feel like oh, that you can simply sit at me. the pier. Right. And look at the water, or, you know, mm-hmm. feel the breeze and just enjoy it. Yeah. San Diego, we don't really beaches and stuff, but it's not it's not a lot to do. It's kind of like set schedule. Like if the Lion King were to come to San Diego to perform, it would be certain days. But Lion King Broadway right now, you, you can see it whenever right. you want. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. New York, you know, the city never sleeps, so it's always something for you to do. San Diego, oh, the clubs close at two. You know, what I'm I don't go to the club no more. But you know, yeah, uh, if I were to go to New York, actually, I did go out. My first week, and I I forgot what time I came home, but it was in the morning. 
Mm -hmm. I'm like, dang it, stuff is still open. I said, well, wait, hold on, I want to be out. So, you know, it's it's always something to do. Mm -hmm. And I know I couldn't do that in San Diego. I know I cannot flourish in a city like San Diego. I hate to say Mm -hmm. some people can, um, and that's fine and dandy, but I know I cannot. Right. So, and and that's that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely, I will be. I I need to take a trip out. I've been will, to New, I've been to L.A. twice, two or three times this past year. But mm-hmm. I want to see what the East Coast has to offer, and I want to see that before I graduate with my master's this December, so I can start. Looking I, to see what I, I think really you want should, to but so. it's not so much of that. I say just apply, because honestly, well, eh, grad schools. I mean, grad. You you know, post graduation is different. Mm-hmm. You want to go visit a city first to get a vibe of it. Yeah, and and just, uh, a week is still not enough because you know things change, you know whatever. But at least if you, because that's what I did when I came officially moving here. I came out in May to get a vibe of it, just to, mm-hmm. just to get a feel like I, right, you know, is this my stilo? Can I do it? And I did it, and I loved it. You mm-hmm. know, if I came here blindly, I would have been, you know. And that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people, not with LA, a lot of people come to New York blind. Right. They, it's just I don't know why they think they can. Like, nah, you, you got to come in. You, you better have a job. You better have to stuff your ducks and lined up in a row. Exactly. You know, you know um, yeah. I think That's that good. you should at least visit, you know, even if you uh, for a week. Because um, Philadelphia is an hour for me. Uh, Jersey, actually, the video where I posted on my story, that's mm-hmm. right across the river. That's the Hudson River. So yeah. Jersey's like, what, 10 minutes? You know, okay. not even 10 minutes. I mean, well, traffic, maybe 15, 20 minutes is right there. Right. Um, you know, Connecticut is up the street, you know, not up the street, but you know, you know, metaphorically speaking. Um, yeah, not- what else is, what else is there? Uh, well, you uh, say you're all, you're these- always in, in Harlem. So I, I stay know in whenever I come to Harlem. Oh, like whenever I, I come to Harlem, Harlem, I'm most likely going to be in Brooklyn. I'll even, Harlem. I'll even meet you in Brooklyn. I can't believe I said that because I'm so against Brooklyn. Really? So, because you don't understand, and I get it now. Everybody stays in their own borough because they got everything from yeah. shopping malls to restaurants to no point in spas to there you go grocery. They got everything. So where I live, I have everything. I really yeah. don't have to go to Harlem. I really don't. I go there because my friends are like you know I know people, so I'm like I you know yeah, but. Harlem, that's Manhattan, so that's uptown Manhattan, but still Manhattan, they got their own. So people from Manhattan, they don't need to go to the Bronx unless they go into the Yankees game or unless they visit. But they don't yeah. come uptown like that, like that. People mm-hmm. in Brooklyn, they really got their own. They don't need to come to, to the Bronx unless they go into the Yankees game. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So no, they got their own. They got every, They got their own. Everything. You name it, they got it. Yeah. Just more. So there's no need. And then the, the commute, you're not understanding the commute. Shit. <laughs> yeah. You have fun with Brooklyn and send me a postcard. <laughs> I mean, that the traffic is crazy. Then one time I said, one time is good enough for me. Oh, I mean, I'll go, but you know, I'm not pressed for it because I got everything here. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I'm just saying as far as going to see difference. But like you said, they have. Oh, yeah, I will. And I just got here. I just right. got here. And I will say New York cost. So me wanting mm-hmm. to do that I really want to do, like when money starts flowing in, like you know, 
I'll do right. it, and it's not going nowhere, you know. But New York uh-huh. costs, and it costs to do stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just wise for me, you know, just chill until you know things start, you know, going accordingly. Then yeah. I want, I, then I'll go to Brooklyn, but you know, when you on the budget, yeah, don't don't go nowhere because New York it, it's gonna cost you. <laughs> and that's good, but hey, you in the Big Apple, you move there. That's the first step. Yes. Most people can't even do that yet. So hey, yeah, kudos yeah. to you. Thank you. But, um, Thank you. Lastly, the last question that we're going to end with: um, Where do you see yourself being after Columbia? Where is Aisha so, going after? After Columbia in two years. So the goal is to graduate in spring 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 23. Yeah, damn, that's quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but anyway, to make a long story short, I see myself working in higher education administration, specifically in student services. And if you know anything about student services, it's very broad. Mm-hmm. You got financial aid, you got housing, you got organization, organization, you know, clubs like leadership like that. Um, admissions. I mean, there's so much you can do. I don't want to do all that. I want to work in the career service center. I've been blessed with the opportunity to have an assistantship with TC Next, which, bas- which is basically TC Next alumni support. So I'm working helping alumni students at Teachers College at Columbia find employment opportunities, help them with like assistantships, internships, and current students as well. I love helping people find work. I help resume critiquing, LinkedIn, you know, things of that sort. I've been doing it at Grambling. So I'm blessed for free. So I'm happy I'm doing it for money, but that's where I see myself, you know, working somewhere at a career service center um, in New York. Uh, I want to stay, you know, yeah, why <laughs> I not? plan to stay. I mm-hmm. plan to stay, you know, whether it's at Columbia or I don't know if it's an opportunity at NYU or if it's, you know, at the um, Cooney, you know, university system or if it's a community college, that's fine. Yeah. But students. It um you know in career advancement I, I I love doing that helping young people you know find work find opportunities and help them mm-hmm. you know that I, I that's my skill and I see myself making and being a director so not just working being the director basically running the program right running it <laughs> hello okay. yeah that's me mm-hmm. I love it I love that's it. where the, that's where that's where the money is when when director and all that yeah that's where that money is. Not manager, but director. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I can't see a better person for that type of job, career, besides you, honestly. You are seriously, yeah. I learned, I thought I knew a lot about you. I thought I knew a good amount. Put it like that. I ain't going to say I thought I knew a lot. Uh, like I, said, I met you through a lot of more mutual friends. I uh-huh. thought I knew enough about you. But from this past week, really reading your story and getting to know you from this interview, getting to... You are a woman. You have such strength. I'm telling you, because just a small percentage of what you told me you endured, most people would have been dropped out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They would have been fumbled. Yeah. They would have been listening to what their family said about them staying home. They, like, you know what I'm saying? They would have been, this isn't for me. Once that counselor said that, I would have left Grant. Like, you know? Yeah. So many yeah. people would have been like, fuck the world. I'm going to just do me and, yeah. you know, just go down a, a road of who knows what you know yeah but you really stuck with it you kept the faith you listened to your mom your mom encouraged you to keep going and not worry about her after she's gone like you know what I'm saying like yeah. after I'm gone my life 
that you have your own life and you got to keep going. You have to keep going. You don't ever want to have to go back to where you were. Never. I'll never. Never. You're not a man. Like, you know. Oh, no. And now I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> like, uh, if you find a little like even that gram, I was spoiled. I'm, I, that's just the material. Like, I, I guess you could say, cause, well, yeah, at gram, I've been on dates, and guys will pay for my hell. I had guys pay for me and my roommates' groceries. You know, okay. you'd be surprised. Mm, I'm but, not. I mean, I'm not. but I was still doing for me. Where it's like, I mean, I'm so my mindset at that t- at that point. Even now, I'm good with yep. you. Mm-hmm. I'm good without you. Absolutely. And I'm like, yeah, I make my money. That's fine. But I'm not gonna lie. I, I yeah, if I am dating a gentleman, definitely he's a gentleman. Like you gonna Absolutely. look out for this girl. Hello. <laughs> this and then he knows, like, come on now. He's like, oh, is she in school? Is she doing this? Is she doing that? Like, I'm the prize, and they treat me as such. They do. So, and I and I tell you, and I tell your young ladies, ladies, you are the prize. You are the prize, not him. And he needs to treat you like you're the prize. Mm. So, and that's how it is. And that's the word I'm going to end it on, ladies. Okay, y'all are the prize. And You're the prize. <laughs> and don't you ever second guess it. Don't. Oh, it just breaks my heart. Mm. But anyway, but you are the prize. And, you know, just know that whatever it is that you're going through, it is temporary. Mm-hmm. Nothing don't last forever. And that you have to keep, you know, persevering. Like, you have to keep going. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have your moments. Because that's natural. Work. I'm human. I have my moments. But mm-hmm. um, you can't let that you know, strong arm, like strong arm you, you can't let that hold you. You can't, you can't, whatever it is, you can't. Yeah. You can't. Well, I had an amazing time talking to you today. Like this was a great interview. I'm so thankful and grateful that you even chose to be a part of this, to share your story. I think you you have to just even thinking about me because you didn't, you know, I, I'm just, I'm like, oh, she want to talk to me? Really? Because yes. you don't know, like, I know, I love Bianca. Of course, we hung out a few times. I would see her at some of the day parties. But you know her friend, you know she'd be in her own little zone. But she don't, I'm like, you want to talk to me? Because <laughs> Bianca, no, she don't talk to nobody I, like that. She'll talk to you, know, she'll talk. I absolutely. We talk, but you, you, you know, you say to yourself, so it's like, oh, shit. Really? Right. No, I absolutely <laughs> wanted to interview you. Like I said, you are a woman of resilience, and it's only up for here for you, honestly. Oh, and thank you. Yeah, it was just the beginning, and you know, who knows? I might. That's another thing too. You asked me what I'll see myself, and I'll let you go. Is um, I, I probably do want to start a scholarship fund for Grandland students because um, it's not just me. A lot of students' parents passed away mm-hmm. before they even graduated, or just having sick parents, or just the. You know, whatever I can do. So I don't know. Maybe I will help out. Maybe I don't know, create like a fund or like a scholarship, you know, for, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But I would, I would like to do that as well. And of course, be mentors, the young girls and young boys or even anybody, you know, just mentor them, take them under my wing and help them. Yeah. Because that's all you need. Because I, 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 I got my start at the Urban League, you know, through the mentorship under Key Hagen. And now look, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, definitely I'll be sure to anything that you do this for this moment forward, especially for putting up scholarships or anything of that nature. Yeah. I will definitely post it on social media, on my social media to get the word out. 
And once again, I just thank you so, so much for just telling me your story and sharing your story with my listeners. And you guys just stay blessed. Take care of yourself. And until next time, I'll talk to you guys later.